0: Hi guys, and welcome to my podcast, Frequent Freed Miles. I'm Freed Sinjor, and I am currently living a lifestyle where I eat, sleep, and breathe the travel industry 24-7. I live and work at an international backpackers hostel, and I also work as a tour guide for a global tour operator. I have lived in three cities in the United States, and have traveled to nine countries so far, with plans to visit many more in the future. Each week, I'll be sharing my opinions and experiences in the areas of travel, tourism, and hospitality as a Black female travel enthusiast living on a budget. So fasten your seatbelts, make sure your tray tables are in the upright position, and let's prepare for takeoff. Hi guys, and welcome back to Frequent Freed Miles, and today's episode is the fourth and final episode in what has turned into a month long recap of my trip to Mexico, uh, so I promise after this episode, I will be done talking about my trip and we'll move on to other travel and culture related topics um, so after my four days in Tulum, I went to Mexico City, but uh That didn't happen without a little bit of panic beforehand. So I'm not really sure why I did this. And I normally don't do this. Um, But when it comes to booking transportation, I usually book all of my transportation in advance before I even begin my travels. But on this trip, I hadn't booked my flight from the Cancun airport to Mexico City yet. And on the plus side, this actually allowed me to extend a day longer in Tulum than I had planned. Uh, Because despite how I discussed my experience in Tulum in my previous episode, um, with me having very mixed feelings about it, um... I did really, really love the hostel that I was staying at, so much so that I decided to stay one more night. Um, So I spent an additional night at the hostel, um, and then I booked my flight from the Cancun airport. By the way, that's, that's the closest airport to Tulum, is Cancun International Airport. So I booked my flight from the Cancun airport and I believe my flight was leaving the airport at 1.30. So booked my flight. Then like several hours later, I decided to look into how I was going to get from Tulum to the Cancun airport. And I'm looking online and, and the number one recommended mode of transportation uh, was this red bus called ADO, I I don't know if you spell out the initials or you just pronounce it as a word. Um, it's the simplest, most direct, safe, smooth transportation. The bus ride takes about an hour and 45 minutes, maybe closer to two hours, to get from Tulum to Cancun. So I look online, and the earliest time that I saw that was available left Tulum at 11 a.m., meaning I wouldn't get to the Cancun airport until 1 p.m., and my flight was leaving at 1.30. And they closed doors 15 minutes before before takeoff. And so I start to panic because that's way too close, and that's banking on the fact that everything runs smoothly, that there's no traffic from Tulum to Cancun, that I don't have any hiccups, uh, you know, at the airport in terms of finding the right terminal or anything like that. So I was like, this is way too close, that I start freaking out. And my roommate was like, don't worry, don't worry, you know, we'll figure something out. Um, so I go to the front desk and I am like kicking myself because I get so irritated at my hostel when people ask me to do things that they can do themselves. So when people come to the front desk and they ask me what's the easiest way to get to the airport? And I'm like, da, da. don't you have Google? We have computers over there, like you can look it up yourself. And in this moment, I realized that I need to cut that out. (laughs) And so the reason why I decided to go to the front desk and ask her is because she's a local. Maybe she knows of a different mode of transportation that I'm not aware of that's not showing up online. And so I took this back to Miami with me. Ate my pride, and now when guests ask me at the front desk how to get to the airport, I answer them happily because I think of how helpful the front desk lady was at my hostel in Tulum. So she goes on the same website, but when she looks it up, magically, a 9 a.m. bus departure time appears. So she also the website is completely in Spanish. So I'm thinking maybe she reset the filters or something. Uh, But she's like, here you go. You can book a ticket for uh, the 9 a.m. departure time for Tulum, which will get you to Cancun at 11 a.m., which is the perfect amount of time before you board your flight. And I was so relieved. And she even went through the whole process. Like I gave her my my credit card and she booked it all for me and I am so incredibly thankful for this woman I wish I could remember her name uh, but I left her a rave review on hostelworld.com because I I was in a in a very panicked state and uh, she made it so I was able to enjoy my last night in Tulum So thanks to the front desk agent at my hostel, my travels from Tulum to Mexico City were smooth, seamless, and went off without a hitch. So I land in Mexico City, and I cannot remember if I ever mentioned this at any point during any of these Mexico-related podcast episodes, but um, this whole Mexico trip There were a few key conversations with people that helped to bring this trip together. One of them occurred about a month ago on my birthday. So my birthday was September 27th and my sister, Melissa, uh, gave me a call to wish me a happy birthday. And we caught up. I say, you know, how are you? What's going on? And my sister is currently obtaining her master's degree at MIT. She is such a smart person. Um, and with COVID, uh, MIT decided to take their classes online for this school year. My sister is uh, getting her master's degree with a two year program. She already completed her first year. And so, when she heard that they wanted to go online her rationale was well i didn't pay all this money to go to mit for my master's degree to take it online some people go to a college specifically for online classes my sister did not and so she said i'm going to take the year off and i will resume my degree next year so she is currently off for the year from her studies and Earlier this year, um, my sister's really talented with design online. So earlier this year, she started working on a self-started business of her own as a website designer, and she was able to over the past I'd say five or six months, she was able to amass enough clients and projects that she now has her own successful business designing other people's websites and the income is good enough that she can afford to travel uh, and work remotely in other areas outside of Boston. And so she decided that on November 3rd, which was absolutely not a coincidence at all, very intentional, my sister said, I'm moving to Mexico City on November 3rd, and I'm going to work remotely there for a couple of months. And I had already been sort of thinking about going to Mexico uh, just based on a couple of other conversations. And so I said, I didn't even think about it. I was like, I'm there. I'll come visit you. I'll let you know like exact dates. She said, great. So fast forward to now, I'm in Mexico City and uh, on my way to spend some time with my sister at her new apartment. Um, And so she had moved there the third, I landed in Mexico City the fifth. So I was there pretty much right when she moved in. So. I text her, I ask her to send me the address of the apartment. She sends me the address, I plug it into Google Maps, and the address takes me on Google Maps about two hours south of the airport. And I distinctly remember in prior conversations, my sister had told me like, oh, the neighborhood that I'm living in, it's really nice. I did my research before, it's one of the nicest neighborhoods in Mexico City. And I'm thinking that's a little odd that one of the nicest neighborhoods in Mexico City would be two hours away from the airport. Maybe I'm plugging something in wrong. So I take a screenshot of the map that shows the two-hour path from the airport to this address. And I send the screenshot to Melissa and I'm like, I just want to like double check before I hop in a taxi with no Spanish knowledge. And I had two hours South of the airport. Is this your apartment? And she's like, no, 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 no. (laughs) So, uh, she sends me a screenshot. She's like, this is my apartment. We, I try plugging the address in again. I ask her for the full address, including like the zip code and everything. And the new address takes me to a neighborhood that I'm actually familiar with and I recognize. Uh, so where my sister was living was in the Zona Rosa neighborhood, I believe. Um, and when I plug in the address, I notice that the hotel that I had stayed in for my conference back in March, the first time I came to Mexico City, um, that hotel is like a seven-minute walk from my sister's apartment. And I'm recognizing fountains and statues and other um, landmarks in that area that I had seen back in March. And so I get really excited because I know this is a cool neighborhood. And I'm so happy my sister is, chose to live here. And I'm also relieved as a big sister that she's living in... A safe neighborhood. Um, I don't want to project any negative things about Mexico, but I think if we're having a realistic conversation there like with any country with any city there are good parts and bad parts mexico city has a population of 22 million people this is a gigantic metropolitan city i believe it's the 10th largest city in the world and so i just wanted to make sure that she was living in a safe neighborhood and i was so relieved to find out that she was so i get to her apartment that is in the right location And her apartment is absolutely stunning. It's a one bedroom and the majority of the apartment um, is like a sunroom. So her bedroom has these uh, window panel doors that open up to the kitchen. The kitchen, um, all of the walls are windows which is amazing. It heats up really nice during the day. And the fourth wall is uh, just one huge sliding door that opens up to her balcony. Her apartment is on like the top level of this building complex. And so her balcony overlooks Mexico City. It's so beautiful. Um, And so I'm pretty envious that this is where she's going to be hanging out for the next couple of months. So we catch up, um, probably spend about the first four or five hours just talking. And she's telling me how good business is online. Um, She basically uh, creates her own work schedule. She schedules uh, Zoom calls with clients um, and just does a lot of other... Maintenance work on websites that she's working on for these clients. And, um, you know, she, so far, she seems really happy there. Um, so the next day, we go out and we hit the town. Um, but what was different about this trip is normally when I travel, it's very much like, I'm on vacation. Everything is in vacation mode. But since my sister is um, going to be a temporary resident of Mexico City, uh, we went out and we ran errands, which was pretty cool because I've never been on vacation and ran errands. I don't grocery shop. I don't do any of that stuff. And so uh, my sister was like, okay, like, uh, I wanna run a couple of errands. If you wanna come with me, I need to uh, go to this art supply store that I found to pick up a, like, this special kind of paper pad. And then I also need to buy an air purifier. Now, for anyone who has been to Mexico City before who is not Mexican, um, the air quality in Mexico City is horrible. It is so bad compared to most other parts of, um, the Americas and maybe even the world. Uh, yeah, really terrible air quality. And I didn't really, I didn't have any issues with it. Um, Mexico city is also located. It's, uh, at a pretty high elevation. I think it's a, I think it's 7,000 feet in elevation, So um, the air quality, I didn't really notice, uh, but I was a bit more dehydrated than usual just because of the elevation. However, my sister um, was very uh, bothered and very sensitive to the air quality, and she actually ended up um, getting sick for like half my stay. Uh, just feeling very congested, tired, um, plugged up. So anyways, on this first full day together, we went out and uh, bought her notepad. And then, oh man, we began the hunt for this air purifier. And you would have thought that we were looking for gold. It was like the most impossible thing to find. We tried seven different stores, None of them had it. The people at these stores were kind of looking at us like we were asking for this like foreign object. And I'm like, "Uh, this isn't that strange, especially in a city like Mexico City. But anyways, we end up purchasing what we thought was an air purifier. And then when we got home, she opens the box and it's only... Uh, parts of an air purifier. Also, I apologize for the noise in the background. There is a guest here at the hostel who has this inflatable, like, six or seven foot stand-up punching bag. (laughs) I don't fucking know what's going on. Um, Oh, sorry. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this. Um, But he is currently punching it right outside my door so I'm sorry for that um but anyway, so yeah she opens the box she finds out that it's only the filter part of an air purifier and I felt really bad because she was she was really having a difficult time breathing and we had spent all day looking for this air purifier to find out that it wasn't what we needed um And so she eventually did get her air purifier a few days later. Um, I think it was like the second or third Best Buy that she tried that had it. Um, And once she got the purifier, she uh, started to feel a lot better. But for like a couple of days, she was pretty down. I felt really bad. Um, And you know she was just like i'm real i you know want to take care of my health and and if i'm going to be living here a long time uh you know i don't want to be inhaling all of this air that could have long term effects on on me and i'm over here like i don't care so i'm very bad at thinking long term um <laughs> but um Yeah, so once she got the air purifier, mission was accomplished. So after spending a few days with my sister, I met up with Julio. And Julio works for the same tour guiding company that I do, Urban Adventures, except he tour guides for them in Mexico City. So when we met up, um, I, I had looked up a couple of things that I knew I wanted to see, like landmarks and, and statues and stuff, neighborhoods. Uh, and so I had them on my phone, um, just in case Julio showed up and was like, well, what do you want to do? Um, but when he came to pick me up, he took the lead and was like, I know exactly what we're gonna do today. And he did such a good job. He took me to everything that I wanted to see in the order that I wanted to see it without me even having to tell him. So I was so excited about that. Um, So we started the day in Chapultepec Park which was down the street from my sister's apartment. It is the largest urban park in the Americas, I believe. Um, And I think for comparison's sake, it's, uh, I don't know if this is accurate. Some people, I've heard that it's two times the size of Central Park in New York City but I've also heard that it's five times the size of Central Park. Um, So I'll have to fact check that later, but just know that it is very, very, very big, larger than any urban park that you can imagine in the United States. Um, So we went there and one thing that was really interesting was at the entrance of the park, um, you had to get your thermometer Uh, your temperature checked, Uh, there were antibacterial mats and hand sanitizer available. And this was the first time this year that I've seen a park, an outdoor space, have these COVID safety standards, um, which I thought was impressive. So we walked through the park a bit and then we made our way through the city. There's a lot of parks and a lot of fountains in Mexico City. Um, And so we walked through a few of them, uh, ended up in the downtown shopping district area of Mexico City. And then we made our way to uh, the Zocalo, which is kind of like this, uh, I guess I would describe it as a city plaza. Um, surrounded on all four sides by buildings. uh, And the center is just like this flat cement area. Um, I'd say it's about a block long. And usually you can walk through the center and there's uh, people hanging out, taking photos. But when we were there, the center of the Zocalo was occupied by protesters who were against the current president. Um, And so, you know, I don't have any political standing when it comes to Mexican politics, because I don't know anything about Mexican politics. But Julio was telling me um, that the current president, he likes the current president. Um, He's a president who is sort of for the poor people. And when this president was running for office, he actually spent a few months in the Zocalo, uh, very much in the eye of the public, uh, just talking to people, getting to know the citizens of Mexico City one on one, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, But of course, that's just one person's opinion. I bet there are several opinions on the president, just like there are in American politics. Um, So we ended the day, of course, with tacos and some beer. And then we headed to uh, our friend Emmanuel's house. Emmanuel also works for the same tour guiding company. I met him for my first time back in March at the Mexico City Work Conference. And Emmanuel and Julio uh, are best friends. And so Julio lives like an hour and a half outside of Mexico City. Uh, Emmanuel lives a lot closer. So we hung out at Emmanuel's house, just listening to music and hanging out um, with yet another one of our mutual friends, Eduardo, who goes by Lalo, who uh, works for the same company and is a guide in Mexico City as well. And For me, this was a really amazing moment that we were all able to reconnect and hang out because like I've expressed in the past, um, I, I feel like tour guiding is more than just a job for me. It's a lifestyle. And through this company, I have met people who have become extremely close to me and extremely important in my life, just because I feel like we understand each other, we come from similar backgrounds, we have similar morals and similar values, um, similar lifestyles as well. And this year, uh, throughout the pandemic, I haven't really been surrounded by Um, a lot of people that I would consider myself to be very close with and on the same understanding. And so to be with my friends who we all do the same thing, we all had similar experiences during the pandemic and we all are trying to figure out how to rebuild um, and move on with our lives and our career paths It was just very inspiring, and I love those guys so much, and it just made me feel very happy and complete to be in their company. Um, And so the next day, um, we – let me think. Okay, so the next day, I went off with Julio again uh, as he played – tour guide again for day two Uh, and Emmanuel and Lalo uh, they led a bike tour so um, they've been doing tours with uh, another company um, where they do historical bike tours all over Mexico City so they had a bike tour in the afternoon Um, and so Julio and I took a The next day, we spent the morning uh, exploring Emmanuel's neighborhood a little bit. Well, at least it was new for me, since Julio and Lalo are there hanging out with Emmanuel all the time. So uh, Emmanuel lives in a neighborhood called Obrera, and the best way, that, at least that I interpreted, to describe his neighborhood, is it's sort of on the up and up. So it's kind of in the process of being gentrified. Um, He said during the day, it's relatively safe to walk around Um, at night. He wouldn't really recommend walking around alone, especially as a female. And so I felt really lucky that I was able to kind of experience this off the beaten path uh, area of Mexico City. Most people wouldn't, you know, come to Mexico City to visit and beeline to this neighborhood. This is not something that you're going to find as a highlight in guidebooks. And so it was really cool to be able to spend a fair amount of time uh, in this more authentic Mexican neighborhood and so every Sunday there's this huge kind of flea market in the neighborhood and so we walk through the flea market and they sell like anything and everything you can imagine and I noticed that a lot of the items that they sell um compared to what is sold in the United States they're a little outdated I think that'd be the best way I saw a pencil sharpener like one of those wind up silver uh, pencil sharpeners that you would attach to a wall. I saw one of those being sold at one of the markets. So it was really cool. I loved the market. Um, And we also had barbacoa tacos. Um, I guess Sundays are for barbacoa. You know, you get certain types of meat on uh, like certain days of the week or certain times during the day and sunday mornings are when you have barbacoa tacos so it was absolutely delicious and so then after we had explored the neighborhood a little bit julio and i uh we parted ways with lalo and emmanuel uh, because they uh, had to lead a bike tour so the, both of them are working for a different company Uh, In the meantime, since tours with urban adventures are uh, pretty slow right now in Mexico City, so they've picked up work giving bike tours around, uh, historical bike tours around Mexico City. And so they had a bike tour at 3 p.m. that they were leading. And so Julio and I went off and we explored uh, some other neighborhoods in Mexico City, including Chinatown. Um, Got some shrimp tacos, some flavored ice for dessert. And then after Lalo and Emmanuel finished their bike tour, we met them. And the tour ended at a different location of Chapultepec Park than where we had gone yesterday. And so when we met up with them, um, two other urban adventure guides also uh, now guide for this bike tour company, uh, my friends, Rodrigo and Adrian. Um, and so I was so happy to see them. And it was so awesome that now five of my colleagues, uh, and I were all able to hang out together. And so, um, out of the five, I would, I would say I probably, I mean, I have a different friendship with each one of them, Um, but on this second day hanging out with everyone, I was super, super excited to see Rodrigo because uh, Rodrigo and I met in uh, Isla Mujeres, the first uh, work conference that I went to two years ago, and we were in the same we were in the same group. We were assigned this project where we had to uh, create our own tour in less than 48 hours. And for me, it was a very daunting experience because I didn't speak any Spanish and Rodrigo had been assigned to our group as sort of the token Spanish speaker. Um, And so we became really good friends during that trip. And we've, uh, over the past few years, have been able to touch base on certain issues and topics related to guiding and leading and things like that. So it was so nice to be able to see him again. Um, and it was great seeing Adrian too. I met him for my first time at the Mexico City uh, Conference. So I was just so happy to be in the same company as so many like-minded people that I get along with so well. Um, and so after the, their bike tour, Uh, we did like a big picnic or everyone had brought, um, food and snacks and we just hung out for a little bit, um, in the grass. Someone brought a Frisbee that ended up getting stuck in a tree. We had to try to get it down. Um, but it, it was a really, really nice time. Um, and so then it, I feel like these days were so jam packed that I'm trying to think Yeah, so I think also in that day, later in the evening, um, Julio took me uh, on the metro for my very first time uh, to this neighborhood called Coyo Can, which uh, very quickly became my favorite spot in Mexico City. Um, But back to the metro... The reason why me going on the metro was a very big deal, um, is because riding the metro in Mexico City, especially as a female, um, is, I don't know how to put it. (laughs) I don't want to, um, I don't want to, like, scare anyone, um, But when I got on the metro, I look up and I see all these signs that are, like, supposed to be on the metro. They weren't put up by people riding the metro or whatever. And the signs basically say, like, like, women, please be alert. Nine out of ten women experienced some form of sexual harassment on the metro in Mexico City. And... I, like, I nudge Julio, and I point out the sign, and I'm like, is this true, and he's like, yeah, like, it's really, really sad, but, you know, this is just such a large city that a lot happens, um, and so he was just, like, explaining to me that, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's really sad, it's pretty crazy, um, and so I always, when I was there, I always rode the metro with him, um. I do think that if I had been on the metro alone, I probably would have been okay. But I guess this is just sort of like a general warning to solo female travelers in Mexico City. Um, with the metro, I guess uh, exercise caution. I don't want to you know, say, don't take the metro, but exercise caution just because that's a really high statistic uh, for, of women being sexually harassed in some form. And for me, I've used public transportation for years and years and years. In Boston, in D.C., um, in Miami, not so much, but I'm starting. (laughs) Um, And I've been lucky enough to never have, I've never, like, felt uncomfortable on the Metro. Um, And so I just thought that that was a very eye-opening moment for me, realizing, like, That the metro wasn't really as safe as it is in other areas. Um, And Julio also explained to me that on the public buses, there are entire sections of the bus where the seats are painted uh, pink, which means um, those seats are only to be sat in by women and children. It is, you are not allowed, if you're a male, you are not allowed to sit in those areas. And I thought that was such a a genius idea. Um, And yeah, like I think you can be asked to leave the bus if you're a male and you sit in those areas. So I thought that was awesome. And maybe they should implement that in the United States. Um, But anyway, so we went to Coyoacan, which is this neighborhood um, in Mexico City. It is very gentrified. Like, I saw a coffee shop that if I didn't know I was in Mexico City, like, if you had blindfolded me, dropped me in front of this coffee shop, I opened my eyes, I would have thought I was in the heart of Manhattan or Brooklyn. I would have thought I was in Brooklyn. It was so just kind of that, like, New York millennial vibe. I did not even think I was in Mexico City uh in front of this coffee shop or in most parts of Coyoacan um so it when we got off the metro uh we kind of took the the long way in so we did about um it was like a half hour walk down this long road and it was so beautiful the road was um cobblestones. It was paved with cob- like cobblestones on the road, um, and it was lined with all of these gigantic, uh, they looked like they were from like the 17th century, these like gigantic 17th century Spanish-style homes with these huge doors that were large enough for a horse and buggy to pass through because that's what they were designed for um and so we couldn't really see like the bottom half of the houses um because they were blocked by these just really tall wooden gates that would i imagine would open a horse and buggy would go in but we could see the tops of the houses absolutely stunning huge huge bay windows Uh, i felt like i was in a different century altogether uh, then these trees, there were all of these, like, willows and other beautiful overhanging trees on the street. And, um, I think we only passed, like, four or five people on this entire half-hour walk. Uh, but I will never forget this street. It was so gorgeous. Um, and then we finally got to, uh, the neighborhood center which was a bunch of these beautiful, bustling restaurants and bars that surrounded uh, this centerpiece, which was like a maze of um, like, garden shrubbery that had been uh, trimmed and hedged into all of these really beautiful shapes. Oh, man. If you go to Mexico you have to go to Coyoacan. I had never heard of this neighborhood before. It's so beautiful. And I would live there. I think I would actually live there. I told Julio when we were down there, I was like, I, I could move here. Um, yeah, absolutely stunning. Um, and so at one point when we were in Coyoacan, I felt really bad because I could feel myself getting hangry and tired uh of walking like i was really excited we were there but this half hour walk into koyo Khan had come at the end of the day it was maybe seven or eight p.m and we had already done so much walking that day and for some reason uh we hadn't yeah we hadn't really eaten because we didn't really eat that much at the picnic and i think before that the last thing i had to eat was a shrimp taco at like 1 p.m so i was pretty hungry kind of tired and um, I could feel myself getting a little irritated because Julio is such an amazing person and he's a really dedicated tour guide, whether he is giving a tour because it's his job or he's giving a tour to just someone that he knows. Um, And so he was so excited and and showing me and all of this stuff and and telling me all about Koyo Khan. Um, And and, uh, I don't know if if any of you have listened to my previous, one of my previous episodes about uh, traveling with someone for the first time. So this was my first time with Julio in an environment where, you know, things like Are You Hungry? and are you tired had never come up in the previous times that we had hung out because we had always just hung out at work conferences where the food was already prepared you ate at a scheduled time after one workshop and before the next um and so i felt myself like trying to restrain the hangry inside of me and he was like he had said like oh like do you want to keep walking for a little bit more and the, i very like i tried so hard to be so like patient and nice and i was just like julio i'm getting a little tired and a little hungry and i said it just like this very even keeled tone but like i was just like i cannot do any more walking until i eat like we sit down and eat and thankfully julio's super intuitive and he just spun around did a 180 And he was like, we're gonna go to this restaurant right here, we're gonna sit down, I'm gonna feed you, and you can rest your legs, and then we can walk after. And I was like, thank you, great, sounds like a plan. So uh, after we ate, I felt so much better, and I was just proud of myself, because I know um, in the past, when I have traveled with certain individuals, A situation like that, uh, it may have exploded into something much larger, not only because on my end, I didn't communicate what I wanted, um, clearly or in as nice of a tone. I think I kind of expected the other person to realize like, hey, we haven't eaten in this many hours and we've been walking this many miles. You should know by now that I'm tired and hungry. Um, So I didn't communicate that as well in past situations. And also the person that I was traveling with uh, didn't really listen to my requests and try to kind of keep pushing forward longer than I wanted to. Um, (laughs) I feel like I'm being very coy about this. I'm not going to go into any details about these past situations, but it was really nice that a small little thing, like I'm hungry and I'm tired, didn't have to turn into a big argument. So I was very happy about that. Um, And so... Then my final night in Mexico City, um, we got to hang out at Rodrigo's house. And it was really great. Uh, It was Rodrigo, his girlfriend, um, and then two other friends of his that were there um, who were musicians. And so we all uh, just sat around. Um, having some beers. The musicians were kind of like, we were listening to music on YouTube, but they would also like pull out their guitars and, and strum along a bit too. And it really was just kind of a beautiful way to end my my trip to Mexico City and also my trip to Mexico. And so I came back to the United States with so many happy memories. Um, And the cool thing about living in Miami, however, is um, coming back to Miami, I was happy to be home. Miami is such an amazing place. Um, And so it was kind of like I was leaving my vacation to come back to vacation. Um, So I feel like living in Miami is a vacation, even though I work 40 hours a week. Um, but yeah, so my experience in Mexico City and in Mexico overall was truly amazing, and I feel like I am still, not only through these podcast episodes, but just in my day-to-day life, I'm still reminiscing every day about my travels, um, but hopefully... Uh, with the conclusion of this episode uh, not necessarily will I move on but I'll be able to start thinking um, towards the future, future travels when will I go back to Mexico next Uh, because I definitely uh, plan on going back sometime in the future for sure And so, um, yeah, that concludes our four-part series on, uh, Mexico. If you made it to the end of this episode, I applaud you, um, because I do know that this episode is the longest episode that I've ever recorded, and I knew it was going to be a really long episode before I recorded it, uh... I'm recording this on a Sunday, usually I release episodes on a Friday, and uh, I didn't get around to recording this on Friday or Saturday because I wasn't really sure how to tackle it. Um, I just knew that for Mexico City there was going to be a lot of content that I wanted to cover, Um, and I honestly probably left a lot of things out. I don't want to think about it too much because then I'm going to remember like, oh yeah, and I also want to talk about this. Um so we're just going to leave it at that. Um I want to thank every single person who um I saw during my Mexico travels who helped me navigate through Mexico, helped me with my lack of Spanish. Um Uh, you know, whether it was providing me with a place to stay for free or helping to coordinate plans for the group. So it made, it took out the guesswork for me. Um, So yeah, I really want to thank everyone um, because you made my experience that much more amazing and stress-free and enjoyable. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, all seven of you who are listening. <laughs> um, I'll be back next Friday. I'll try to get back on track with releasing these on Fridays. I'll be back next Friday with a new episode. And for anyone who's new to this podcast, Um, You can download and listen to it on Apple, Spotify, uh, pretty much wherever you stream podcasts. So I'll be back next week with a new episode. And um, for anyone who is not living in Miami, stay warm. If you've already received snow, I'm sorry. And I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.